Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Kick is live. It is Sunday night, December 19th, the year of our Lord, 2021, jam-packed high atop downtown Nashville, Tennessee. You know, imagine a sport that is all year long. There is no season, really, because we celebrate it around here all year long. So, yeah, we're close to Christmas, but we're still live here, and we will have things running for you during Christmas and through Christmas. And, of course, we got to head somewhere, uh, which I'm about to announce in just, like, 45 seconds to a minute from now for the college football playoff semifinals, and then we will obviously be full speed ahead into 2022 and also headed to Steve Wilfong's hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, for the national championship game. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll get a jam-packed show tonight. we got a lot to get to. Bowls are underway. Some people out there claim that we need to fix bowl season. I get where you're coming from. We have been offering solutions on this program ever since before Director Colin and I even met, before I was down in Columbus doing things independently. I will refresh your memory as to how we got to get this thing back on track. The kids made the mess. The adults have to clean it up as usual. We will discuss that tonight. Also, uh, the early signing day bomb that went off in this, in this sport, for lack of a better term, it, it's still kind of got a big mushroom cloud above it. And so we really still can't make sense of what just happened. But I want to tell you, I think an earth-shifting, at least the future of college football's earth-shifting um, bunch of stuff happened on signing day. And I'm talking about several programs and the things that we'll be talking about in 22, 23, 24, when it comes to this time of year, may have been decided the other day. You just don't know it yet because you can't see the future. I'm going to discuss that. We have to dust off the mood tracker tonight. It is time to do a Florida State mood tracker. You talk about a bomb going off. You talk about unexpected things happening. Travis Hunter is not a Florida State Seminole, nor will he be. And um, it was tough. It was tough for the Seminole fans there on signing day. It was jaw-dropping for the rest of us. We're sitting, I'm there hosting in Fort Lauderdale. We've got an entire production team behind the wall scrambling. I got Andrew Ivins and I think it was Chris Singletary at the time or Cooper Protegna was on set. No one knew what was happening. And to some degree, people still don't really know what happened. We're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. Also, five, count them, five added best bets this evening. We are two and one already on the young and soon to mature college football bowl season aboard the Ramen Noodle Express. So obviously a loaded show. I want to thank you guys. We have had great traction on the channel, and I hope that continues, and I leave it in your hands to continue that through December. The other day, as you know, we went down to Fort Lauderdale for our early signing day show. You guys made that a much bigger success than even the most ardent of supporters of the idea around here ever thought it would be. Uh, so another thank you for that. But also, you know, something hit me as I walked out of my hotel room about 1 a.m. 
not to do anything frivolous in nature, uh, but I just walked out there, uh, I think, to get something out of the car. And it was like 81 degrees. I was surrounded by palm trees. We're down there just north of Miami. And I realized something, friends. I realized I have an opportunity to take another all-expense-paid trip for an entire week down here in late December and early January. How could I pass that up? So I love Dallas. We got a lot of friends in Dallas. We've been to Dallas multiple times this year. We follow both Alabama and Cincinnati. We've talked about them all year. Uh, we're going to Miami for the semifinal game. So we're going to go to the Orange Bowl. It's going to be Georgia and Michigan. That's the late game, I think 7.30 Eastern time on New Year's Eve. I just simply can't pass that up. If something happens to you, if you live in Nashville where the sun goes down at like 4.15 in the afternoon in winter, I kid you not about that. People told me that when I came here. I called BS on it. Here's the thing about the sun. It does basically the same thing at the same time every year. They were right. I was wrong. It's depressing. And there are no palm trees here. Uh, there is much more sunshine, much higher temperatures, and much more palm trees in South Florida, as it turns out. Stats and Info told me, and then I went down there and verified it myself. So we're going to go to the Orange Bowl, and we will see all of you down there. We're going to be down there for an extended period of time, probably going to execute a couple of shows from South Florida. Those of you already rolling your eyes are rolling them because you remember what happened last time we tried to take the show on the road, but don't worry, we got plenty of lead time now. We only had like a month's heads up last time. We got more than a month's heads up now. We've been working on this. So hopefully, cross every finger you have, that will go off without a hitch. More on that to come. And also, not that we're going to get into it a whole lot. I just wrote Bo in Oregon on my notes. Bo Nix is headed to Oregon. There was a lot of UCF talk. Some people thought Ole Miss. And he said, nah, I'm going to go about three time zones away, and I'm going to try my luck as an Oregon duck. We should focus group that because it, it could work halfway decently on a T-shirt in an alternate universe where we can sell merch on this show. So Bo Nix to Oregon, uh, not much more to say about that. A pretty notable pickup. I don't know how big it is. It's a notable pickup for Dan Lanning. All right, so let's dive into what did matter. We have, over the last month or so, been talking about the coaching carousel, transfer portal, and then obviously early signing day. Colin, I think this is a better end right here. Transfer portal, coaching carousel, early signing day. They kind of all had this great big confluence and then just poof, bomb went off last Wednesday. And it was leading up to it. You could already see it coming. There's a big mess that is December now in college football. But do you have any idea what happened last week? I don't even think people in our industry, to some degree, including yours truly, really get what just happened last week. It's kind of like the, the flashbang effect. If you've ever been in a room, I'm not going to talk to you with any kind of expertise because I haven't been in a room where one of those flash grenades goes off, but it's meant to temporarily paralyze your senses, you're temporarily blind, temporarily deaf, and you're neutralized. Well, we all got neutralized the other day. No one really had a clue what to do because you're looking at all these big-time players decommit because all these coaches that were here are now there, and all these commits who were there are now going here, and then you got the Travis Hunter stuff as the backdrop, but so much movement was happening it was tough to process it all. Even if you were glued to your computer or your iPhone every single minute of every single day, so much happened. It's like trying to drink news from a fire hose. And so we're sitting here, and that's Sunday, so we're a few days removed from it. But still, you're looking at it, and what to what degree do you classify it? Do you just say, yeah, that was crazy, man. That signing day was crazy. It's more than crazy. Like the, the story of Fleetwood Mac's crazy. That's a pretty crazy story. This was earth-shattering. Like, this is a fundamental change in the future of this sport for multiple programs. When we look at the college football playoff in the year 2023, when we look at conference championship pictures in the year 2023 and 24 and beyond, what happened Wednesday, and to a larger degree, what is in the process of happening right now, will be to blame. To what degree 
will we have seen the future of the sport altered? That's kind of what I wanted to dive into tonight. But if you just know some stuff happened, but you really need to have it contextualized a little bit, that's what I wanted to do tonight. These are major, like, hard-hitting premier programs that are right at the middle of this stuff. Start with Michigan. I saw Max Olson, actually. I want to give some credit here. Max Olson over at The Athletic, he did a good job of compiling a whole lot of who was here and then who went where because this coach left. Uh, so I would encourage you to go to The Athletic and read that feature if you haven't already. I would print it out. Now, I would just keep it for reference for the future because there are a lot of names that are going to be impact players. It's just they aren't going to be impact players where you initially thought they were going to be. Think about Michigan. If you know nothing else, just think about the Michigan Wolverines currently having a top 10 class per the 24-7 sports team or class rankings. How are they there? It's one thing to say it. How are they there? Well, I'll tell you exactly how they're there. They picked up Keon Saab on signing day. Uh, we broke that news on air. That was a four-star defensive back. He was a Clemson commit the week before. Brent Venables leaves to go to Oklahoma, see how this works. And then Saab decommits, one of three big-time IMG kids to decommit from Clemson. None of them went back. Saab goes to Michigan. That's one. Derek Moore was committed to Oklahoma. Four-star defensive lineman over there from, um, I believe he was from Baltimore. Huge pickup. They're as excited about him as they are any player they got. At one time, he was an Oklahoma commit. What about Marion Walker? Three-star athlete, at one time committed to Notre Dame. Brian Kelly leaves. He decommits. Those are three premier players. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't a classic decommitment, but Darius Clemens is a big-bodied receiver from Portland, Oregon. And for all the world, I would have thought, had Mario Cristobal stayed at Oregon, that's probably a kid who stays home. Well, Mario Cristobal didn't. Cristobal leaves, so we'll never know how that would have worked out. Those are four cornerstone pieces of Michigan's current top 10 class that may or may not be in the fold. I would lean, in most cases, towards not being in the fold, even with how they've progressed this season if you wouldn't have had coaching turnover elsewhere. Here's where the credit lies. The credit lies in Jim Harbaugh and his staff being able to be the ones who were the beneficiaries. Because I can assure you, there were a lot of buzzards circling when you start seeing those decommitments or you start seeing coaches leave and the threat of decommitments. you got a lot of programs who want to go after them. Michigan's the one who got it done, though, on several fronts. They're the ones who got it done. They actually did something. I was talking to a Michigan buddy of mine the other night, and I told him it's very rare to see a team that's in the playoff this cycle use that to their benefit in the current cycle. Normally, if you do something you haven't done, i.e. win a national title or make the playoff for the first time, it's the next cycle where you get the dividend paid off on the recruiting front. Michigan did it this time around, and it was a unique couple of factors there. Number one, it's the novelty aspect of them having made it for the first time, and then they can sell the vision that this is not the end, it's only the beginning. Uh, but then number two, they had a lot of vulnerability with a lot of major prospects in a lot of classes. What about Georgia? Same deal. Major programs here. Georgia's also in the playoff right now. Michael Williams from my hometown, dead just south of Fordson, my hometown of Columbus, Georgia. Five-star defensive lineman. He was committed to USC. Well, what happened at USC? Yeah, ditto. And so he decommits, and he's at Georgia now. Jarvis Jones pulled the same thing once upon a time, goes to USC, doesn't work out. He played out there, though. Uh, but then he ends up at Georgia, too. So there's a little, there's a little Columbus to USC, to Athens Pipeline, just the way God intended. Uh, Dalen Everett, another one of the three aforementioned major IMG kids that was committed to Clemson. Dalen Everett, five-star corner, decommits when Brent Venable says, I'm out of here, I'm going to Norman, Oklahoma. And Dalen Everett now signs with the University of Georgia. That is a premier defensive back. Think about how different it could be if you're facing the likes of Jamison Williams down the road. 
Uh, and Alabama just signed a whole army of big-time elite speed receivers. You never know what having one more premier defensive back will mean in a future SEC championship game. Uh, Texas, Texas was a, a huge winner on National Signing Day. They're getting a little overshadowed on the national scene because of Texas A&M. About to talk about the Aggies in just a second because, yeah, uh, they cashed in on this whole deal too. Kelvin Banks, we talked about him on this show a few months back. It was when he committed to Oregon, when Mario was still at Oregon. He's from Texas, and he commits to Oregon. That's a five-star offensive lineman from the state of Texas, and it was such a huge deal, obvious reasons, because Mario Cristobal came into Texas and took one of the best from Texas and then took him to Oregon. But the problem was that wasn't signing day. There was still a few months to go until signing day. Well, Mario leaves, and so did Kelvin Banks from the list of committed to Oregon. And Texas ends up being the beneficiary there. That's one kid they probably don't land if Mario Cristobal stays at Oregon. Uh, Cameron Williams, also a receiver that was committed to Oregon. They picked him up too. Quinn Ewers from the transfer portal is obviously the crown jewel of the additions, whether it be portal or recruiting, for this cycle for Texas. How different could the future look right now because of the fact that you're going to have Quinn Ewers? And then you're adding, obviously, skill around him. They have kids like uh, Jalen Gilbo. He was a four-star defensive back, committed to TCU. Gary Patterson's out. He decommits. He's at Texas now. Uh, Xavier Bryce, Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley's out. He decommits. He's at Texas now. Savian Red, SMU. Sonny Dykes leaves. Oh, he's committed to uh, Texas now. I just, how many kids is that? One, two, three, four. That's six hits. That's a half a dozen kids that just because of coaching turnover, decommit, and Texas ends up picking them all up. Huge. And in a lot of cases, those are Texas kids that the University of Texas now keeps home. Texas A&M, I don't really need to go far down the list because all these kids are ranked really high. Gabriel Brownlow Dendy, fellow Church of Christer, by the way, uh, five-star defensive lineman, was committed to OU. And as was the case with many a high-profile kid, once Lincoln Riley's out, he takes himself back on the open market, and he ends up at Texas. And Jake and Max Johnson, I mean, Jake Johnson's top tight end in the country. Max Johnson, you already know him. He was a quarterback at LSU. Both of those guys are now at Texas A&M. And that's on top of this litany of basically a who's who in the recruiting market. They're still not done. Picked up Denver Harris yesterday, still not done. And so Texas A&M's already got the number one class in the country. They're just now having fun to see how wide they can stretch the margin between themselves and whoever ends up finishing number two. Uh, let me finish with Alabama here. You notice I'm not really mentioning many also-ran type programs. These are all premier programs. Uh, the guy that you're watching on your screen right now kind of tried to tell you once upon a time. We did this segment the other night. It's got like 110,000 views right now with good reason. Tried to tell you, yeah, it's transfer portal. It's going to mean a lot of movement. It's just mainly going to be that the movement's going to be towards the top. It's not, it's not going to be a trickle down. It's just going to be a trickle up. And uh, Alabama did it again. Uh, Jihad Campbell, the third of the three IMG decommits from Clemson, high four-star defensive end. Uh, there are some people who feel like that rating is still not high enough on him. We'll find out one way or the other down the road. He decommits from Clemson because of Brent Venables, and he is now at Alabama. Isaiah Bond, uh, four-star wide receiver, was committed to Florida. Dan Mullen's out. Isaiah Bond back on the market. He is at Alabama now. Um, Aaron Anderson was a receiver from Louisiana, one of the top three receivers in the state. Bama landed all three of the top three receivers in the state of Louisiana. Back on the market, because Ed Orgeron's out, and he is now at Alabama. Eli Ricks played for LSU. Ed Orgeron's out. I'm in the transfer portal. I'm going to Alabama. And look, 
that flow may not be done. We'll see. And so there's a lot of Louisianans that end up at Alabama because of the turnover. And you've kind of forgotten about Ed Orgeron because that happened a long time ago, it feels like, relative to some of these other uh, newer moves. But could you please consider the names I just read to you? These are elite blue chip kids. These are major league programs and how different they look just because of coaching turnover. It's wild to think about how turned upside down the Big Ten title race or the SEC title race could be down the road. Also think about it on the other hand. How big an impact is it that Clemson will not have Keon Saab and not have uh, Jihad Campbell and Dalen Everett? You can't quantify it, obviously, but you're watching a Clemson game down the road and they're losing 28 to 24 to North Carolina. Who knows what the difference would be if you added those three players, plus several more that you may have landed because of having Brent Venables. It's an impossible spider web to solve, but it is something that you have to be keeping up with right now because there's, there's going to be cases down the road if you want to know properly the backdrop, the context with which things on your TV screen are happening, that's where it was born. You're going to see some stuff happen in 23 and 24 that you may not be able to make sense of if you weren't following National Signing Day and Early Signing Day in the latter portion of 2021. It's kind of the reason that we don't take that O word around here, the off-season. There's too much of this to follow. And it's not done. Several of these kids, I mean, some kids are decommitted and still not signed anywhere. Uh, the transfer portal, there are like 47 million kids in the transfer portal right now. 47 million some odd kids in the transfer portal. So we'll see how that turns out. I got an email today, uh, and it mirrored dozens of emails I get like this per week. Here's how it goes. I open the email, and there is a picture of a, either in a, re a receipt or a bag of merchandise or both. And then there is a personalized message, and it says something along the lines of, I used to do my shopping at fill in the blank, but now because of late kick, I do my shopping at Academy Sports and Outdoors. I just want you to know, I can't respond to all of them. I respond as many as I can, but I can't respond to all of them or I would have no time left in the day. I do forward those on to the proper authorities. So I appreciate you guys doing that. You may be new to the show. I always picture a first-time viewer or a listener and how much of the show makes sense to you. Uh, it may not make sense to you that some random people that you've never met before, even though if you're watching the show, they are your family, whether you know it or not, why would they be changing their shopping habits just because of a show? Well, here's why. A very, 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 very quick backstory. Uh, here's how it goes. This show is free, and it's not loaded up with advertisement, and the reason is because our partners at Academy Sports and Outdoors, number one, have great products, and number two, they make it to where you don't have to pay a dime to watch this show. And I can't tell you how thankful I am to have that, because I got a lot of buddies out there who are still cutting their teeth maybe on the independent scene, or they're choosing to be on the independent scene, but it is, it's so hard, because the bottom line is you gotta have money to be able to put on productions like this, but when you've got a partner that will fit the bill for you, when you got a partner that will fill every blank for you, anything you need, you don't even have to finish the sentence coming out of your mouth before they'll say, yep, what do you need, where do you need it? That's Academy. And because they make that possible to us, and we got a lot more tight-knit community on this show than, I don't know, your average national show may have, uh, there is an acceptance of responsibility amongst all of us to make sure that there is a return on that partner's investment. And that's really all it's about. And it's not some, you know, it's not some low-grade, 
ratchet material from some country you've never heard of. It's not that. I'm not sending you somewhere that you don't need stuff from anyway. That's not what we do here. We wouldn't partner with a company that was not above board to begin with. Academy checks all of our boxes. They check our boxes. We appreciate it. And I really appreciate hearing from you guys when you make the decision, therefore, to go shop at Academy Sports and Outdoors. And by the way, I had stats and info check the calendar, and I have confirmed it. It is December 19th. You got six days. You know good and well what I'm talking about, and you know good and well who I'm talking to. Don't let it creep up on you. Academy.com. If you don't have a store in your backyard, academy.com. For all of your, I'm just going to say life needs. They really want me to say tailgating needs, but let's be real. This extends well beyond just tailgating. It's your life needs. You can use this for so many things. So Academy, Sports and Outdoors, uh, making life possible. If they use that in 2022, I want at least a cut of those proceeds. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Uh, we're not in 2022 yet, but we are in bowl season. I want to present a simple question to you tonight, and then I want you to sizzle on it, and let's marinate on it and talk through it together. Does bowl season need fixing? And if your answer is yes, which portion or portions of bowl season need fixing? Now, this is not directed at the there are too many bowls crowd. Those people are in their own separate compartment. In fact, when I'm college football commissioner, anyone who says there are too many bowls will be guilty of hate speech. We will not allow that in that world of college football. There are not too many bowls. Do you understand what the alternative is on December 23rd if you're not watching a football game? Have you scanned the options? Those of you who aren't relying on YouTube TV, have you scanned the options that are out there alternative to a live football game on December 26th? You're telling me there are too many bowl games. I'm asking you, what in the world else are you watching on TV? I love It's a Wonderful Life. It's my favorite Christmas movie. I can only watch it so many times. I'm, what are you watching, Hallmark reruns? Home Alone 2 is going to be there in February, May, April. You don't have to just watch it around Christmas. Point being, there can never be too many bowl games. And for those of you out there who say, well, it's, it's a byproduct of the everyone gets a trophy era, we have long since passed that. I want the trophy. That's what happens. I want the reward. I want to be able to watch as much as I possibly can in December. So this is not a segment, to calm myself down, that is directed at that there are too many bowl crowds. Uh, what I do want to talk about, though, is the crowd out there. It's sizable. Many of you are among them, and I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to try and meet you and understand what you're talking about. When you say bowl season just ain't what it used to be, a lot of you are talking about opt-outs. Mainly you're talking about opt-outs. Shame on Kenny Pickett for faking that slide, by the way. Um, we were showing B-roll there of Kenny Pickett. We're showing B-roll right now of Kenneth Walker III, if you're watching on YouTube, because those are two kids whose programs 
are going to face off, I believe, in the Peach Bowl, and it's Michigan State versus Pitt. But you will not see the premier player for either of those teams because they are both opting out to get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, this is a fairly new phenomenon in college football. It was easy to see coming from 10 miles away. Before I ever got to 24-7, when I was back in Columbus and we celebrated having like 20 viewers on the show, uh, so therefore not many of you are going to be aware that I said this, I was yelling in any megaphone that someone would hand me, we are headed towards a time where people are not going to play in bowl games. Here's why I said that. You didn't have to be that smart. I know because I figured it out. I was looking around and I kept hearing this phrase come out of people's mouths. And the phrase was meaningless bowl game. I had never heard people say that before we had a playoff. And therefore, I had never seen people really opting out of bowl games, especially in large quantities before we had a playoff. But these people who allegedly love the sport and are paid to cover the sport and should theoretically have the sport's best interest in mind. I know that's a tall thing to ask, but, you know, um, I listened to them and they kept, kept calling these bowl games meaningless bowl games. Well, here was my logical conclusion. Players are going to listen to you, and eventually, if they're playing in the Cheez-It Bowl or they're playing in the Meineke Car Care Bowl, all due respect to those phenomenal brands, I have patronized both over my years, they are going to hear you call those bowl games meaningless, and if they have prospects beyond just the college game, they're going to listen, and they're going to believe you, and they're not going to participate in a meaningless bowl game. Your words, not theirs. Kids never said it. The adults in the room said it, and sure enough, it happened. And sure enough, we had about 2015, 2016, somewhere along those lines, we start seeing the opt-outs. And at first, it was just a couple of big names, you know, the Christian McCaffreys of the world, Leonard Fournettes. But then came the floodgates opening up, and now we have what we have present day. And so, of course, the solution from the same folks who made the mess initially is to just add more of the thing that made the mess. Now, to me, when you inserted a college football playoff into the equation, and then you also had the, the who's in era, as I like to call it, where a certain unnamed major sports media conglomerate just up the East Coast a couple thousand miles started using that as their marketing slogan, it came at the expense of all the other bowl games out there. It sucked the oxygen out of the room. And you were told, if you're not playing in a playoff game, your bowl game's meaningless. And then you believed them. Then they wanted to try and scold you when you listened to them. Well, anyway, that crowd that caused the initial mess, the casuals of the world, if you will, uh, they think the answer is, well, let's just insert more of that thing that initially led to this problem. More playoff will clean up the mess that playoff and the way we treated the playoff initially made. Uh, of course, you know my thoughts on that. That's like watching Big Daddy when the kid spills the milk all over the place and Adam Sandler comes in picks up some, some newspapers and just covers the milk in newspapers and tells the kid, there you go. You can't see the milk anymore, so the mess is cleaned up. Uh, that is essentially the logic that we are applying to this current state of affairs. I obviously don't believe that more playoff will solve this problem. In fact, I believe that you would end up getting to a point where you would have playoff opt-outs, but none of you think that's ever possible, and I'm not going to use this time tonight to relitigate that. I'm just telling you, you also thought once upon a time, Pitt and Michigan State, each respectively making it to the heights under their current administrations they haven't made before, would make it impossible for players to opt out of those bowl games. But yet we have it now. So never say never. Trust me. Things can happen. And on those slippery slopes, they can happen pretty quickly. But I'm not here to talk about that. What I do want to ask is, given that this is now 2021 and we have what we have, 
I want to present the idea that I have had since about 2018. And I was doing this at the time in Columbus. I've probably done this segment four or five times. I think we've done it maybe one time here, Colin, when we first started the show at 24-7. I have not tweaked this plan hardly at all. And so I could just recite it off the top of my head. The point, though, is this is not my ideal solution. My ideal solution would be for none of this to have ever happened. And my ideal solution would be for people to be jacked out of their mind to play in the Outback Bowl. Like, that's, that's a big deal to me. But that's not where we are. So the old toothpaste is already out of the tube. Now that it's there, how do we fill up the incentive reservoir? Because that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about a de-incentivized nature for non-playoff games. You've been told they're meaningless, therefore you got players opting out of them. Well, how do we raise the incentive level again? There is one school of thought that I don't dismiss. I'm very interested in this that some of you have. And that school of thought is let's just not seed the playoff until after bowl season. In other words, you kind of make the bowl season part of the playoff, so to speak. And while that's not part of my plan, I don't mind that. I certainly don't push back on it. I think it, it, it is better than what we have at the present moment. But here's what I've always wanted to do. Let's just table that. In lieu of actually changing the playoff seeding structure, and in lieu of expanding the playoff, we're not talking about that right now, money. That's how you fill the incentive reservoir, money. Now, again, before I dive into this, understand, no, this is not my ideal format, but it is a reality-based format that I think is best at this point. The whole Pate State model, you know, if, if, if your boy here is commissioner of college football, the way that I would love to go about this is to acknowledge that college bowl games are not regular season games. So we can do things with them that we could not do with regular season games. My model since 2018 has always been a revenue sharing model that's instituted for every bowl game. And where you get that revenue pool that you're going to then share with the players comes from everything from TV money to ad revenue, pay attention to this third part, to gate revenue, to merchandise revenue. In other words, if you were on tour as a band, the same way that it would be dictated how much money, how big of a cut you're getting from your tour is the same way we're going to determine what kind of cut these players are getting. Here's what I would love to do. I would love to take that pool of money and I would love to distribute it evenly to the two teams. 75% goes to the winning team. 25% goes to the losing team. Both players are going to make money. The winner's going to make more money. You have to to participate in the game, to be available, to receive any kind of revenue sharing from the bowl game in which your team made it. Now, here's what I've just incentivized with my plan. You incentivize players playing, you incentivize players winning, and here's the third part you incentivize. Players taking an active role in promoting the game and promoting the sport because you want your piece of the pie to be as big as possible. Therefore, you want as many people watching as possible. Therefore, you want as many advertisers tied in as possible. Therefore, you want as many people in the stands as possible. And therefore, it really benefits you. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense for you to be out there in the days leading up to the game, taking an active role in promoting your own sport and your own event. I don't know if that can work alongside or maybe hand in hand, with the whole wait until after bowl season to see the playoffs plan. If anyone can convince me it can, I would be happy to be on board with it. You know, why not, why not throw 20 gallons of water at a 10-gallon fire? I'm fine with that. That's cool with me. I don't know any other way that we get the, that we get the spirit of bowl season back to the way it used to be or anywhere close to it 
other than filling the incentive reservoir back. And if anyone out there has any other alternative suggestions, I'd be happy to listen. That's the best I can come up with, though. The mood tracker is something normally we do in the spring. The mood tracker is something we normally do after the spring, but the mood tracker is something we need to do tonight. And we need to direct the mood tracker right in Tallahassee, Florida, at Florida State football. Some people say it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. It may be true in the movies, but it is not true in recruiting. Because I can assure you that Florida State fans, 10 times out of 10, would rather have never heard the name Travis Hunter than to have gone through what they've gone through this past week. Quick recap, close your ears if you are a Florida State fan. That, if you're looking on your screen right now, is the number one player in the country. He was committed to Florida State, it feels like forever. And then on signing day, he says, never mind, I'm gonna go to where? Jackson State. And he tossed the Florida State hat for good measure, which I've never been a fan of. Anyway, uh, there's Travis Hunter, he's out of here now. Now I'm gonna say something out loud, so I want you to pretend like you don't really know a whole lot. Let's just pretend you're an agnostic fan. You watch every now and then if college football's on at a bar, but you don't really follow it day to day. I'm going to read a scenario out here to you. I wrote it now. I want you to tell me off the top of your head, if you're just a casual fan out there, not, not a casual in the classical sense, but a casual fan, how would you feel about this? Let's say your team goes 5-7, and seven, and then you land the number 14 recruiting class in the country. My reaction, if I didn't know any better, would be, that's not that bad. It's actually much better than I thought we'd do after going five and seven. I think that would be a lot of your responses. But here is the problem. When we zoom in, we get a little bit more down in the weeds. We have not factored in for what we on this show call the recalibration of expectation. That's kind of like Michigan State football this year. Michigan State's over-under win total was four and a half. Yet they get to like the eight or nine win mark and they're being told once they lose to Ohio State, they were frauds. No, they were never frauds if you viewed it through the proper lens. But when Michigan State got on into the season a little ways, you get to a certain point where people forget what the initial expectation was, and they recalibrate the expectation, thus the recalibration of expectation. And then all of a sudden, they're saying stupid things about Michigan State. Well, Florida State fans, if you never had heard the name Travis Hunter, and let's just pretend like you guys landed a lot of kids late and you finished strong and then you landed the number 14 class. Kind of did what Auburn did. I mean, Auburn and Florida State have comparable classes. They just didn't close in anywhere close to the same manner. Well, if you did what Auburn did and you never had Travis Hunter, this would be an acceptable class. You'd want a few more pieces, but it would be acceptable. But you had long since recalibrated your expectations and you had baked Travis Hunter in to even the worst case scenario. Losing Travis Hunter was not possible. That was beyond the worst case scenario. So when you lost him, it's a disaster. It is essentially, it, it puts you in such a shaken mentality that you don't know which end is up. And the mood there, I wrote down, it's kind of the post-impact assessment. If you've ever been in a wreck, I'm talking about the seconds after you've been in a wreck and you still got the steering wheel gripped tight, it's not bad enough to where you're knocked out, but you got in a wreck and it's shaken you and only a few seconds have gone by, you could be anywhere from looking at just a badly dented car to it's totaled and I hear the ambulance on the way, I'm about to spend a week in the hospital. You are still assessing post-impact. Well, with Florida State, graphic though that may have been, Florida State fans, they don't really know what to make of this yet. And I got several of them. I've had to talk a couple of them off the ledge just today. I told them I was gonna do this segment. It's post-impact. And this gutted Florida State. It gutted the coaching staff. They didn't see it coming. They got blindsided by it. And anyone who's too prideful to admit otherwise is lying to you. Now, they've owned it. 
and they've taken it in stride, but it is gutting because you're not sure of anything. It's like people taking the rug out from under you. It's like, it's like if, you, if you never believed in aliens and then you saw a flying saucer land in your front yard tomorrow morning, you're not sure of anything anymore. They're not sure of anything down there right now. But it doesn't mean all is lost. This class is not ranked 38th. It's ranked 14th. And they still got the transfer portal to go. The problem and the reason that they're so shaken, aside from the obvious, is there could be bigger implications here. You start to convince yourself, if you're not careful, if you're not mentally tough, you start to convince yourself, well, if we're capable of losing that guy, no one's ever secure anymore. And if we're not capable of locking him down, and, and we lost him to Jackson State, like we didn't lose him to a program, I'm just going to state it like it is, to a program that we think we should lose a kid to. You know, if Georgia came along and got him, it would be terrible, but at least we'd understand. We let Dion come and take him from us. I don't care what the circumstances were. I'm speaking as a Florida State fan now. We let Dion take him from us. Never should happen. And we certainly should have an idea. Whether that's fair or not, whether that's fair or not, you know good and well that's how a lot of you guys down there feel. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying, you know, that's the way it is. So given where we are right now in the sort of post-impact assessment portion of the recovery process, how Mike Norvell handles the transfer portal over the coming months will define the future of his program and his tenure at that program. And to be clear, there's several holes that need to be patched. This is well beyond just a Travis Hunter thing. They were going to have to do this even if they landed Hunter. But now there's a magnifying glass on the program. They got to get defensive line help. Uh, they got to get wide receiver help, probably a couple of them. Uh, need help on the offensive line at the tackle and guard positions. They need linebacker help. Now the good news is there are options. As I said, there are roughly 47 million kids in the transfer portal right now. There will be options. They've got to hit on all of them. They've got to pull a Michigan State. They've got to hit on all of them. And then they certainly have to upgrade their staff. I was over on Knowles 24-7 today. I was looking at Brendan Sinone doing a long-form thread, just kind of an ask-me-anything thread. And they were talking a lot about this. What has to change? It's not one answer. It's not one sentence. It's a lot of if this, 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 and this happen, then maybe you're looking at an eight or nine win campaign. But if all those things don't coalesce and come together, then you're talking about stuff that you don't want to be talking about. Hot seat talk. Is it time to make a move? All that stuff that we've been speaking about so much with other programs recently. You don't want to get there. But here's what else they know. If you're looking around and you're looking at more than just Florida State football, you're looking at Clemson and you're seeing a program that seems as vulnerable as they've been in several years, what you absolutely cannot afford to let happen is Mario Cristobal and Miami to get their wheels under them, which they will, and you can't afford to watch programs like North Carolina get distance on you. You can't allow that to happen, because if Clemson's vulnerable, it's got to be you. It's got to be you involved with those other programs. If it's Clemson vulnerable and there are three or four teams challenging, FSU's logo's got to be in one of those blanks. If it's not, that's your worst fear. That's your worst case scenario. That's what they're unsure of right now. That's why they're in the post-impact assessment uh, portion of the recovery process. And I don't know how long that's going to last. I tend to believe it'll last even past spring up to and maybe including media days and right before camp opens because that's how late in the game they're going to be working that portal to see what kind of immediate additions and help that they can get out of there. Uh, by the way, if you're watching live, uh, do me a quick favor. This is all and subscribe to the channel. We are approaching 100,000 there. I don't know if we're gonna get it by next week, but we're approaching 100,000. So do me a favor and do that. And also be following on Twitter, at LateKickJosh, because we have, we have a weird schedule coming up. 
and it's going to be one where you need to be notified of it. Uh, there are some things coming that we haven't even announced yet because we're not firm on the dates yet. So just be following Twitter and Instagram at Late Kick Josh. Okay, so we're two and one so far with the Ramen Noodle Express in bowl season. I'm adding five games tonight. One, two, three. Yeah, five games tonight. Get ready. I don't know the names of these bowls, but I do know the dates. We're going to start uh, four days from now. Yeah, four days from now on the 23rd. We are going to take North Texas plus three. And we are then going to take on the 27th. So let's go through Christmas. On the 27th, we're going to take East Carolina, Eastern Carolina, plus three. We're going to take Iowa State minus one and a half on the 29th. Also on the 29th, a rare move for me, we are going to take a new coaching staff, an interim coaching staff, and multiple transfers. We're still going to take Oklahoma minus four and a half. And then we're going to take Baylor on New Year's Day, I believe in the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss, right at Pickham. If they're giving you any points, that's great. If you have to lay a point, that's fine. We want Baylor, though. We're taking Baylor right at a pick'em. Oklahoma minus four and a half. Iowa State minus one and a half. ECU plus three. North Texas plus three. Uh, we are out of here. That is our show. A nice crisp 38 some odd minutes tonight. Thank you so much to you guys for watching. I know some of you have gotten Christmas started early. We had a Christmas party the other night. Maybe I'll tell the story of how Director Colin exited that party one day. Uh, some of you don't think Director Colin is real. If you were at the Christmas party the other night, you would have known just how real Director Colin is. Uh, producer Jesse, not Producer Jordan, was there the other night too. Uh, but thanks to them, thanks to our entire crew, thanks to you guys. If you're already getting started on your Christmas festivities, Merry Early Christmas, Merry Bowl Season to everyone, and thank you guys so much for watching. Big announcements coming, so stay tuned on Twitter, at Josh. We will see you later. Until next time, have a great rest of your evening, and God bless.